0: It was a great movie that thrilled many, many people. It was called Dancing with Wolves. The topic today is a thousand times more exciting because it's about sleeping with lions. Would you please open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. When you get the place, Daniel chapter 6, just hold up your Bible like I'm holding up mine. Would you please? Don't lose the place. looks great when you see the Bible opened. Would you say after me, this is my Bible. This Bible. This This is God's Word. God has a message for me today. This message will make me a better person and give me everlasting life. I now open my heart to receive God's Word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a good time here today in church. Uh, Daniel chapter 6, which is the chapter on sleeping with lions. Daniel 6, verse 1 and onwards. It pleased to rise to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps BY HIS EXCEPTIONAL QUALITIES THAT THE KING PLANNED TO SET HIM OVER THE WHOLE KINGDOM. DANIEL IS NOW A YOUNG MAN IN HIS 80S. HE'S YOUNG IN HIS MIND, HE'S YOUNG IN HIS SPIRIT, HE'S YOUNG IN HIS ABILITIES FOR GOD. HE'S HAD A LONG CAREER. IT'S LASTED FOR MORE Seventy years. And when most folks would have been sitting on the beach watching the waves come in, Daniel is leading out and standing firm for what he believes in. The Bible says, if you look at verse 3 again, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his, what does it say? EXCEPTIONAL QUALITIES THAT THE KING PLANNED TO SET HIM OVER THE WHOLE KINGDOM. THE BIBLE SAYS THAT THIS WAS A MAN WHO HAD EXCEPTIONAL QUALITIES. HE WAS NUMBER ONE IN THE OLYMPIC GAMES OF THOSE DAYS. HE WAS THE WINNER EVEN THOUGH HE WAS IN THE MINORITY. And the question should be asked, what was the secret of making this man so exceptional? And the answer is plain, fidelity to the God of heaven and obedience to the laws of God. I would like to remind every person here today of this truth, that the greatest men in the long, sorry history of the human race have not been atheists. Karl Marx changed the world. I was reading the life story of Karl Marx last night as I prepared this talk. What a loser. I'm telling you. He talked about standing up for the downtrodden masses. He was on the side of the workers. He never did a day's work in all his life. He lived off the gifts and the donations of his wealthy relatives. He was responsible, of course, for communism. When you think of the great men in the world, you don't think of Karl Marx. You don't think of Lenin. You don't think of Stalin. These people were the cause of the devastation of nations and the deaths of hundreds of millions. But when you think of the great men, you think of people like this, Moses. Paul. And of course, Jesus. These were the great benefactors of humanity. And if you come down closer to our own day, you think of the great English statesman, William Wilberforce. Have you heard of him? Wilberforce. He was the man who was responsible for the abolition of slavery around the world. He fought the slave trade, And then right at the very end, when he was an old man, they carried him the message that the House of Parliament in Great Britain had just passed a law outlawing the practice of slavery. Who was he? A dedicated Christian. I think of the man who released the slaves in the United States of America a number of years later. His name was Abraham Lincoln. He was a good man, and he was a good man who recognized the God of heaven. I think of other great men like John Wesley and Martin Luther, who liberated millions. They never took the lives of millions. And then coming closer to our own time, I think of people like Martin Luther King. Who was he? He was a believer. He was a minister of the gospel. He said, I've climbed to the top of the mountain and I have seen the promised land. What a great speech that was. I have a dream. One of the greatest speeches in the history of the world, I believe. A dedicated Christian. I think of other people even closer to our time, like Mother Teresa. An earnest Roman Catholic Christian who was a nun. Who did the work that nobody else would do. These are the great people. And God's man or God's woman will always be on top of the mountain. I want to say to the young people in my church, if you want to be somebody great in this world, you've got to be great in the eyes of God. You've got to be a person like Daniel. We used to sing many, many years ago the wonderful old song, Dare to be a Daniel. You know it? Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. If you want to be great... In the eyes of the world firstly you got to be great in the eyes of God I want you folks to turn to Daniel chapter 6 verse 3 and 4 now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom at this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So they had an investigation. Their senate had an investigation The committee in charge of morals got together. And when they had an audit of Daniel, they found that he wasn't fussing or fretting. He wasn't scheming or slandering. He wasn't cheating or chiseling. So when they checked him out, they said, we can't find any fault in this man. What a man. The Bible says there was no fault in him. I want to read you a statement today that sometimes makes some people feel a little uneasy. It's a statement from the book, Christ Object Lessons. Alan White said these words, Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. That sort of makes some people very uncomfortable. CHRIST IS WAITING WITH LONGING DESIRE FOR THE MANIFESTATION OF HIMSELF IN HIS CHURCH. WHEN THE CHARACTER OF CHRIST SHALL BE PERFECTLY REPRODUCED IN HIS PEOPLE, THEN HE WILL COME TO CLAIM THEM AS HIS OWN. Now, SOME PEOPLE WHO HAVEN'T READ THE CONTEXT SAY, WELL, THAT'S TALKING, THAT OBVIOUSLY MUST BE TALKING ABOUT SINLESS PERFECTIONISM. AND EVERYBODY KNOWS WHO'S READ THE BIBLE, that the doctrine of sinless perfectionism is a complete heresy. You don't find it taught in the Bible. So this person is not talking about sinless perfectionism, but let me tell you what the author is talking about. This person is talking about holiness and godliness in the church. So Christ is looking at the church and he's longing that the church members will have a real holiness And a real godliness and will reflect the image of Christ. I want to ask you something. Are you comfortable if somebody looks at you and says, Well, here's Mary. I can trust Mary because she's honest, absolutely honest. She's generous. She invites people to her home. She's not a skin flint. She's truthful. She would die rather than tell a lie. She's loyal and she's dependable. People say, well, there's nobody like that. I beg to differ. Daniel was like that. And God has got his Daniels today. And so when they had the Senate investigate Daniel, they found he was absolutely honest and trustworthy. And decent as the man says on KNX 1070 here in the great city of Los Angeles character counts and it does and this is something that some people don't like to hear they want to think that they can just go on in their old way of living and it makes no difference I want to tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ makes a lot of difference in a person's life if it doesn't make a world of difference then my friend you don't have the gospel of Jesus There was an old Bible scholar, his name was Haskell. Some of you folks sitting here today will know the name. He said this, Daniel had a godly mother who knew the prophecy concerning the destruction of their city. She repeated to her son the words of God that someday Hebrew children must stand in the heathen court of Babylon. Carefully did this mother teach her son to read the parchment scrolls of the prophets the history of israel was studied the story of nadab and abihu was told and retold the effect of strong drink was impressed upon the mind the laws of his own being were studied he knew that excess in eating and drinking would so dull the mind that the voice of god could not be heard. I thank God for godly mothers who bring their children to church, who teach the children at home to love Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I would to say to the mothers in this church with the little babies, you're welcome in this church. As some have said to me, but you know, it disturbs the television, let it disturb it. We want the mothers and the babies in the church. And I want to say something else though. The church is the place to teach children how to behave in the house of God. Now I want to go on a little bit further here because Haskell spoke about eating and drinking. We ought to teach our children how to eat and drink. Years and years ago when I was just a boy back in Australia, I can remember... Being taken for a drive in this brand new Mercedes by one of my church members, he was a doctor, and he put his little boy over in the back seat. And every time the little boy cried, he threw him sausages, <laughs> like he was feeding some beast, He's throwing the sausages, sausages over. Him. I said, "What on earth?" He said, "Well, this shuts him up." What a tragedy! I'm glad that Daniel didn't have a mom or dad like that. I've had some parents say, I can't bring my little children into church because they can't go for an hour without feeding. They can't go for an hour without eating. i got to be pushing the crackers into him or else he's going to start to tear the place apart. I want to say, you got a big problem. And you're breeding a big problem too. You're teaching your child to have no self-control. And in the house of God, we ought to come together and we ought to worship and we ought to bring our children and we ought to teach them, even though they're little, to have reverence in the house of God. You say it can't be done. Maybe you can't do it because you haven't learned to be a parent yet. Did you know John Wesley came from a big family of more than 20 children? And when the children were tiny, when they were still babies, the mother taught them to make the sign of the cross when they said prayer. And when the children cried, they were taught to cry softly. You say, well, that doesn't happen. We just like to all let it hang out. God gave us the church for a purpose to help us with our children. And I want the mothers in this church to feel wanted. I want them to know. I want them in church. And I want their babies in church too. And may we have a lot more babies in this church. Now now look at Daniel chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. I want to say too that the babies in this church are pretty good, you know. Daniel chapter 6, 4 and 5. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with what? with the law of his God. The law of his God. That's the big issue. They said, we don't know what we're going to do with this man. He doesn't have his hand in the till. He's not a liar. He's not a cheat. He's not a fraud. When he tells you something, you know it's the truth. He's not a politician. And they say, There's only one thing that we can find fault with, the law of his God. Never forget this, because this is the big issue in the Bible and in the life of Prince Daniel. They knew that Daniel was faithful to God's law. The Bible teaches, I want every person now to listen up, not loosen up. But listen, you can loosen up too as long as you listen up. God's law must take precedence over man's law. When man's law conflicts with God's law, we must obey God's law. Do you all believe this? I had a discussion with a wonderful friend doesn't belong to this community. We were talking about some things that had been going on and this man said, I believe this is my bottom line, my country right or wrong. Doesn't matter what my country does, I will stand. Doesn't matter, I will defend it. That's a tragedy, because that man's getting ready to receive the mark of the beast. Have you heard of Kari Ten Boom? You know about her? She's a sweet, wonderful little Lady from Holland, the Netherlands. Well, the Nazis had a law that the Jews were to be handed over to the authorities because the Nazis hated the Jews. Now, Kari Ten Boom had a wonderful old father. He was a watchmaker, he was always on time. My kind of person. I hadn't been a preacher, I would have been a watchmaker. In our back room here, we've got an atomic clock. You know why? So I just point to the clock and say, come on, we're starting on time. This clock is only at two seconds in every 20 million years. Here was this old Dutch man who was a watchmaker. He was a Christian. He believed in God. And when the Nazis said, get rid of the Jews, he took the Jews into his home and hid them. Some Judas across the street, down the road, betrayed him. And the Dutch officer who was working for the Nazis, seeing the white-haired old man, said, old man, Mr. Ten Boom, you can go home. Just give us your word that you won't take any more Jews into your home. He said, no, because it conflicts with the law of God. THE BIBLE SAYS, THOU shalt LOVE THY NEIGHBOR AS YOURSELF. AND HE SAID THE JEWISH MAN, EVEN THOUGH HE DOESN'T BELIEVE IN CHRIST AS I DO, HE IS MY NEIGHBOR. THE WHOLE TEN BOOM FAMILY WENT INTO A CONCENTRATION CAMP AND JUST ABOUT ALL OF THEM DIED IN HORROR BECAUSE THEY PUT GOD'S LAW IN FRONT OF MAN'S LAW. And if you can't say that today, my friend, then you and I have got a real problem. I think of the Kulikoffs. I got to know them very well, a great Russian family. Pastor Kulikov is preaching in the church in Gorky. His father's been taken away to Siberia. And the KGB says, Pastor Kulikov, you are not to preach here. They say to the son, you're not to preach here. But the next Sabbath, he's in the pulpit. Because God's law is higher than man's law. And they sent him to Siberia. That's what we need to do. We need to have courage. And then he had some wonderful sons. And in more recent years, not very long ago, his sons were put in the army and they were told to work on the Sabbath. What would you do? Would you work on the Sabbath? If you're in the Russian army, many of us would say, well, you know, you just got to do what you got to do. That's right. But don't expect on getting to heaven. And those boys said, we're not going to work on the Sabbath. They sent one of the boys to the northern reaches of Siberia and in not winter fatigues, in summer clothing, working outside in temperatures minus 40 degrees, all through the night, unloading, unloading freight cars. All through the night, working, night after night, day after day, because God came first. Now during the last days, and I'll talk about this more some other day, but in the book of Revelation, it talks about a law being passed. And people have got to get a mark or else they're not going to be allowed to buy or sell. And in the end, they're going to say to people, if you don't get this mark, the sign of our power, the sign of the apostate church's power, the counterfeit Sabbath, people are going to be boycotted. People won't buy their goods. They won't sell to them. And then they're going to put them to death. This chapter is the basis Of the discourse in Revelation 13 where people are going to say I will not surrender my faith I will be true to God so they said about Daniel he's a good guy we can't find any fault with him sadly unless we get to the law of his God now read on a little further now please Daniel chapter 6 6 and onwards so the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king. Went as a group. You know why they went as a group? Because they were cowards. They could only do it as a group. None of them had the courage to do it by himself. Went as a group to the king and said, O oh, King Darius, live forever. That's wishful thinking. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict And enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So Darius put the decree in writing. Now, before I go any further, let me say this to you. It's not a good thing, my friend, uh, to put your trust in princes. The Bible says don't put your trust in princes. The Bible says don't put your trust in man. He's only got breath in his nostrils. The best princes, the best kings, the best presidents are very quick to sell out innocent people, as history tells us. And this man, because of pride and arrogance, Well, he just said, what a wonderful decree. Nobody can pray to any other God but to God to rise. What an egotist. And it's a religious decree? Look at me. What I'm telling you today is tremendously important. I talk to you as my American brothers and sisters. Let me tell you something. This country has got a great tradition. and That's the separation of church and state. The church has got no right to get mixed up in politics. That's why this church could never, ever be used as a polling booth. You don't do those things. The church ought to stay out of politics and politics has got no right to play with the church. The state has got no right to talk about faith And tell people how they ought to live their lives as far as their religion is concerned and so here you have a religious decree and when a state enforces a religious decree it becomes a part of Antichrist and so the decree goes forth verse 10 Daniel 6 now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published he went home to his his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any God or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, Pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Don't you think it would have been infinitely Easy for one in danger of his life to say his prayers while lying in bed. What's the big deal? People would say. You know, this man's an absolute fanatic and there's one thing we don't like, religious fanatics. I wouldn't do a thing like that, someone says. But Daniel was a man of God. And what Daniel did before the decree came from his heart and he continued to do it because God's law is far more important than man's law. Don't ever forget it. Now the king was worried, but not Daniel. He's an old man. He's going on probably 90, but he's not worried. Read on. What a great story it is. Verse 16, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. It's interesting. You know how they seal the tomb, tomb of Jesus? Because Daniel here represents his Lord. They seal his tomb, they put a big seal on it, and they say, He's there. And he's never going to come out again, not as a living human being. And that night, the king can't sleep. You know, friend, there is no pillow like a good conscience. The king couldn't sleep because he had a bad conscience. But the Bible tells me that Daniel slept with the lions. While Darius tossed and turned, Daniel was there with the king of beasts and he had a good night's sleep. Now there's a key word in this phrase, in this passage. Darius says, may the God you serve continually rescue you. This chapter is placed in the Bible to tell us that God doesn't slumber NOR SLEEP, BUT HE IS THERE TO RESCUE HIS PERSECUTED PEOPLE. AND THERE'S SOMETHING ELSE I WANT YOU TO KNOW. WHEN DANIEL WAS THROWN INTO THE DEN OF lions, HE HAD NO ASSURANCE HE WAS GOING TO COME OUT. BECAUSE GOD DOES NOT ALWAYS DELIVER IN THIS LIFETIME, BUT HE CERTAINLY WILL ONE DAY. There have been millions of people who've been thrown to wild beasts and God didn't deliver them then. And you say, well, how do we explain this? Well, we can't explain it. Just to know that God has got a plan and a purpose for every life. At Avondale College many years ago, I had a great old Bible teacher. His name was Pastor Nelson Burns. And he taught us a saying. It got into my mind. I forgot Just about everything else he taught. But he taught us this. You are immortal until your work on earth is done. Nothing can touch you. Cancer can't take you. Some crazy person who walks in the church with a machine gun can't touch you until your work on earth is done. And Daniel's work was not yet done. Read on. What a great, marvelous story this is, my friend. Daniel, chapter 6, verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. Listen to this. This is used in the book of Revelation, other places in the Bible, to talk about the last great conflict in the world and that is the conflict over the law of God. And the Bible tells us at the very end of time when it appears as though the lions are going to destroy God's remnant people, God is going to deliver them. It says in another part of Daniel, there comes a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And then the Bible says, so it's going to be a terrible time of trouble you know, sometimes we're surprised about the time of trouble that is coming upon the world. We hear of the threats of the terrorists. We see the terrible crime. We see the corruption everywhere. And we wonder, what's going on? This is what we believe is going to happen. This is what the prophecies say. We shouldn't be surprised. I get surprised, but we shouldn't get surprised. But the Bible says there comes a fearful time of trouble. And the Bible and it says it's a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And the Bible goes on to say, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince who stands for the children of his people. And the Bible says, at that time, God's people are going to be delivered. So I want you to know, whatever happens in the future, God is in charge of the future. And at the end of time, God is going to deliver his persecuted people. He's going to save them from the lions. Now, you may have some lions in your own life. People are giving you a hard time. You may have people threaten you with lawsuits. I get threatened with lawsuits because I preach the gospel. You find that hard to believe. You don't know one fraction of what goes on in my life. But I, have, I receive on occasions, threatening letters. And people say, we're going to sue you. We're going to do this to you. You've got to realize, my friend, there's a real devil out there. And he's the chief of the lines. And he's got a lot of other lines as well. But we don't need to be afraid of the lines because the God of Daniel is bigger and stronger than any line. We just need to make sure of one thing. That we're living a life like Daniel. Now notice what happens next. This should not uh, encourage you when I read this. This is not too good. Verse 24, at the king's command, it doesn't say Daniel's command, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, The lines overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Somebody said, a great theologian who's a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, it was obvious Daniel's safety was not the result of the poor appetite on the part of the lines. It wasn't because, you know, the lines were sort of filled up and when they put Daniel in there they were just so lazy and so full they were just sleeping. It wasn't the reason. Because Darius said, no, we're going to take the accusers. This is a symbol of judgment. Judgment comes upon evildoers. Did you know this? The people can go on for years and years breaking the law of God, lying and cheating and stealing. The Bible says they're like a great tree and they seem to get fairer and fatter as the years go by. And people say, where is God? I want to remind you of the words that are on the Lincoln Memorial, Washington. It says, God is just, and justice cannot sleep forever. Liars have got short legs, they can't go too far. And there comes a judgment day upon every man who stands up against the God of heaven and against his servants. Now what about the wives and the children? Well, that's what Darius did. We don't think it was a good thing because he was a pagan king or a heathen king. But we can learn something here. When a man does evil, sometimes his family suffers as well. Did you know that? Sometimes a person says, well, I can do what I like. I don't care about the consequences or the subsequent, uh, whatever happens. I don't care about that. Sometimes, not only is the man thrown into the den of lions and gets torn to pieces, but his family goes down there too. This represents judgment upon the persecutors of God's people. There is a judgment day. I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of a man or a woman who fights the truth of God, would you? Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and men of every language, Throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves, he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. I want you to think about this. This is the testimony of the most powerful man in the world, back there. The testimony of a pagan king. And he says, there's only one God, there's only one powerful God. And he sends out this decree to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Daniel could have gone around every little village in Babylon and tried to preach the gospel. But he wouldn't have got very far. But because he was true to God, God used a pagan king to take the message of the gospel right around the world. So it shows you When God wants to do something, nothing is too difficult or too hard for God. Now notice the last verse. Verse 28 starts with so. Ready? So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. When his enemies fall, Daniel is there. He's come through everything. He's come through persecution. He's lived through the intrigue of the most corrupt government on the face of the earth. And he's a survivor. And why is he a survivor? Because he was faithful He put God first. A great scholar said these words. I want to read them to you slow. There have been other Daniels perhaps in name, but this one prayed and praised. This Daniel was persecuted, but he was also protected, preserved, preferred, And prospered this Daniel believed in the law of his God today the only absolute for many people is relativity men may laugh at sin but they cannot laugh the results out of their bones hearts and home it is forgotten that evil is live spelled backward Now listen to this, Christ's way is not merely sanctity, but sanity. What he commands, life itself commends. Daniel proved it. And so may we. This chapter tells me that if you make God first, And obey his laws, God will bless you and deliver you from the lines of the world. Shall we kneel as we pray? We're going to bow our heads, close our eyes, on our knees, we come to Daniel's God. Our Father, we thank you today that you delivered Daniel because his deliverance is the promise that one day we too will be delivered from the lines of this world. We thank you that the God of Daniel doesn't slumber nor sleep but we thank you that he watches over his oppressed people. Help us to take the message today and realize it It's a solemn message that those who interfere with the preaching of the gospel, who persecute the prophets of God, who persecute the people of God, face a certain judgment of death, even with their families. While God's saints, God's children, God's final latter-day remnant will be delivered, will be rescued from the power of the lions, and will prosper for all eternity. Teach us to know today that if we put you first in our lives and obey your holy laws, it will be well, yes, it will be well with our soul. May the word of God today sink down into our hearts that we will dare to be a Daniel and dare to stand alone, dare to make his purpose known, that we will dare to be true, knowing that the God of Daniel stands with us and waits to rescue us. Bless these precious people here today We worship you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.